Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. I figure, well, why not do a solo show? We got a few updates going on in the life of life and times of Mighty Sparrow. Uh, repair, <laughs> repair, preparations, planning, all that sort of stuff. So I figure, why not? Plus, I'm sort of waiting. Uh, I'm putting the windlass back on the boat, which was quite a struggle. But the bottom, uh, it rained yesterday, so the bottom got all wet. And uh, I want to dry it off before I bed it right onto the bowsprit, thus hopefully alleviating any rotting or unforeseen trouble mixing wet with uh, supposedly sealed and dried places on a boat. Never a good thing. And yeah, I just figured, you know, let's do a little update. Let's uh, let's utilize this time. I just got Mongo also. Well, I guess before we start, like I always say, if you want to support the show, you can become part of the Patreon family. 49 members strong, the fabulous, the wonderful people that support and keep this show going. Just follow the link in the description, and I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, other than that, obviously, we still have the merch. And then if you want to reach out to the show, sailingintooblivion.com and uh, podcast link and contact the show. Those go directly to me. Um, yeah, so we're just kind of plugging away here on Old Mighty Sparrow. It's been, it's been pretty fabulous. Uh, I'm not going to lie. We've had some pretty decent weather, although here in South Carolina, in the low country, one of the issues that we do find as the temperatures rise are the bugs, these little no gnats. And if the day is just right and it's still Holy cow, they come out in force. Yesterday, couldn't even be working outside of the boat unless you were in a beekeeper costume. Because these little suckers bite. And they hurt. They get in your hair. They get all over you. Um, They're really nasty. I would, honestly, and I, I thought I'd never say this, but I would take mosquitoes over these things any day. And... That's saying a lot. Mosquitoes are annoying, but these things are just awful, and they swarm you. I was out pressure washing the boat two days ago, and holy smokes, I could be, I was dancing trying to get through just that little 15-minute thing. I mean, I love the pressure washer. It's great. Makes, uh, makes it very easy. Don't have to use chemicals, all that sort of stuff, just electricity. But uh, we are pumping a huge amount of electricity on this boat these days. But yeah, it must have been a funny sight. I'm sitting there like trying to swat at these things while I'm swinging around with this pressure washer. But it was nice. We've got a lot of pollen in the air down here, or we did, and everything just coated in yellow. So it's kind of nice to brush it all off, make Sparrow look pretty good. And uh, I don't know, mentally, that always helps me quite a bit when I am prepping or doing projects. I like to have sort of, you know, a place for everything, everything in its place, and the boat looks good. Uh, it's a little annoying having to like go into the same compartments and take out all the tools and then put all the tools back. And usually I treat it like a job site. Back in the days uh, when I was a plumber, it was one of those things where, you know, you spent the first 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes every day sort of organizing, putting everything in the strong box and locking everything up so that you left the job site clean and clear, even though technically it might be more efficient to just leave all your tools out 
Obviously, you can't do that on a job site. I could do it on the boat, at least down below. But then I'm living in a construction zone, and I definitely don't like that because there is a point, because I'm not prepping for some giant trip, there is a point where you reach the end of the day, you crack a brew or whatever, and uh, you relax. And it's so much more pleasant to do that in a boat that actually looks and feels comfortable and clean. So for me, it's worth it to sort of put everything away. But right now, as we speak, I look around and there's lines and toolboxes and oh, cords and all sorts of stuff hanging everywhere uh, coming in through the cockpit. Uh, it looks pretty, pretty shabby. But like I said, this is this is what uh, it's supposed to look like when you're doing these projects. And I've also have what I have always called the first step in any preparation for any voyage. I have my little yellow sheet of paper here with two different uh, categories, need to buy and need to do. And that's all it really takes, uh, I have found. In the buy section, thankfully, there isn't much left. Uh, just a few things like paper towels and food and stock the bar and oil with a question mark because I have to figure out how much oil I have on board uh, after doing my last oil change. I like to always be able to do at minimum one oil change out at sea, but to be honest with the problems that I've had with this engine, uh, it's not a bad idea to double down on that one and allow yourself two oil changes. Although, you know, since I made my little, <laughs> I don't even, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but basically since I made my little pulley system that allows me to open and close the valve for the exhaust through hull, then uh, I haven't had any issues with sucking water in through the exhaust. It's been years actually now since I've had that problem. And uh, so that alleviates quite a bit of the old having to change the oil, as you can imagine. You don't want water getting in there. But uh, yeah, so so not too much to buy, which is good. Don't want to spend a whole heap of money on this stuff. Food's going to be the most expensive by far, I am sure. And uh, but then to do that one gets a little a little bit more crazy. The windlass has to be installed, varnish the bowsprit, and by that I just need to do a light sand and add a coat of varnish with non-skid because I was stupid last time. I'm out there, and it's slippery. It looked beautiful, but it was slippery. It was basically a death trap up there. And uh, this time, uh, and my plan was, really, once I realized how dumb it was what I did, uh, not putting the non-skid on because it looked so good. How dumb is that, right? Um, I was like, well, once I get down to, you know, the Azores, the Azores uh, high, I'll be able to find some calm weather and put some on there. Boy, that... That's really thinking for you. Um, I'm losing it in my old age, I think, in some ways. Um, let's see. Sand the old mounts. I uh, already did that. Ooh, I can cross that off the list. Yoink. That's, oh, man, that feels good. Like, literally, there's almost nothing better than crossing things off of a list. I, th I would put it up there with removing tape off of, like, a, a paint job on the bottom of a boat. There's just a satisfaction in it, and... Uh, that's just one of the greatest things. Sometimes I just like to write words and cross them out, although it doesn't give you the 
the same satisfaction. Uh, let's see. Download podcast. Must do. Run the engine. Now, with that one, I'm actually going to run the engine, throw it in gear. Try not to put too much strain on the old cleats of the dock, but I'm I'm tucked into such a tight little spot here in the marina that I'm a little hesitant on taking off and going and motoring around to see if, you know, the engine and everything has alleviated that little problem. But the nice part is uh, the docks are strong, the cleats are strong, so I can put her into gear and uh, give her some revs, especially when the current is coming in. And be able to, uh, you know, run it for an hour or two and see see if we uh, have sort of fixed that fuel problem. I know it isn't totally fixed. I'm still going to replace the injector pump because I do think that possibly could be some of the issue. But regardless, we're going to give it a shot here on the dock. And uh, that should tell me all I need to know, uh, I hope. And then, uh, then it's a little bit of sail maintenance. You know, I got to lube all the hanks and lube the track and all that sort of stuff. Mongo just got some brand new control lines. Beautiful. They're blue. Uh, a little bit smaller as well as the teeth on the little cleats that hold it to the tiller are starting to wear on the old spots. So I downsized the line just a tiny bit. Shouldn't be too much problem. Uh, Full-on checkover on Mongo. You know, lube it up. Make sure it's greased. The gears are working well. Really in-depth look. There's one little tiny compartment that has all the springs that control, you know, as you have these two little lines, and you I call it the clicker because it makes a clicking noise, but each time you click on one direction, it changes the boat's course by about six degrees. And so, essentially, uh, that clicker has all the springs and doohickeys and all that sort of stuff that uh, I'm hoping when I open that up, it's not just a pile of rust. If it is, I've got all the replacement stuff. If it's not, just a little squirt of the old WD probably ought to do it. Uh, let's see. Test the Iridium Go. That'll be an easy one. Uh, check the rigging. That'll just take a little bit, but uh, it's it's one of those things where you know all the old tape is still on all the split pins and all that sort of stuff, and so remove all that. Check it. Check the tension. Make sure you do a really thorough look over everything and then uh, and then tape it all back up. Although I sometimes wait on the taping until I get out to sea and actually get some load on the sail cuz typically you have to you have to give it a little bit of a fine tuning here and there. At least I do, but either way you can do it uh, you can tape it, retape it, whatever, it really doesn't matter. Uh, lash the engine box, that's just the thing that holds a bunch of the stuff in the engine that's easy. I have one winch that I need to take apart. I, if I have time, I may end up switching the winch that I put on the mast. I put a self-tailing winch on there, but it was too small. And so it loads up and then, you know, you can't actually grind the sail up. And so I might have to go back to the old, old school non-self-tailing. I think they're Burt Barlow or something like that, uh, winches. And... That's not too complicated. It just involves a drill and uh, one of those threaders, and that's about it. So I don't know. Might be able to do that. I do have to figure out a mount for that little Tiller Pro thing, autopilot. You know, this this boat is obviously way too heavy for one of those to actually sail with. 
Plus, I got Mongo, so you know, no, no question there. But when I am stuck in a flat calm, and for whatever reason, I have to motor, and definitely I use it when I'm motoring up and down the river to get out to sea. Uh, you have to have like a mount, and it's just basically a hard point that this thing can sort of base itself off of. And uh, yeah, I got to figure that one out. Clean the bottom. That's going to be fun. Water's still pretty chilly, but. Uh, we will see. And then, uh, oh, new lines for Mongo. Cross that off, too. Oh, God, that's great. So lovely. But, yeah, so as you can see, we've got a, a few things. A few things to, to work on and uh, finish up before we are ready to go out and test the repairs and the equipment and all that sort of stuff. I have two solar panels now. One is uh, hard-mounted back where it was before, and the other one is one of those soft, flexible ones that I have mounted above the and on top of the Dodger. And that one, with the untying of like three knots, can be taken down below, stashed, and uh, good to go. So safe and secure. So I think that that's going to work out pretty well. It was bigger than I thought. I don't know if they sent me the wrong one, uh, but together... I have 220 on the one solar panel, and then the flexible one's 180 watts. So we're looking at 400 watts, and that's an increase of about 80 or 100 watts from, from what I had before, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, I was doing a test the other day where, again, we're here on the dock, so there's really no shading. The sun is out. The boat's not moving, changing angles, so it's not really... 100%, uh, or it's not even close to 100%, but I turned on all three navigation and communication devices, the GPS, the AIS, and the VHF, while having the refrigerator running at full tail and a couple of lights and the fans on, and we were still at like 14.2 or something on the batteries, so we're producing more than we're drawing with all that stuff on, which is fantastic, um, beyond my wildest dreams. Now, I know I can't do that when I'm out there, obviously, uh, but normally I wouldn't have my VHF or the chart plotter or lights on. Uh, I would, however, if I have frozen stuff, keep that fridge just pumping. Uh, but, you know, it's one of those things, really, when it comes down to bare bones stuff, it's pretty much the AIS and the fans and the fridge on about, two-thirds power and i'm pretty much happy i'm a real happy guy at that point so i'm gonna be taking and putting some meat in the freezer and doing that probably today actually you know i'm like a week or 10 days out from from taking off and that way i can like freeze that bacon and ham and stuff like solid to a brick and hopefully it'll ice itself in and that will I don't know. It just kind of makes it easier, and then I can ease off on the power of the fridge once I'm unplugged uh, or not getting the juice that I want to be getting here on the dock. But yeah, other than that, it's uh, it's coming along. I you know I'm I'm excited because it just you know last time I was out there, I mean it was essentially like a nightmare. <laughs> it was a hellscape where there was there was no way out. Um, no, it just it was crummy weather, you know, from the get go, and then it was, uh, you know, broken boat and a loss of some pretty crucial equipment that typically 
make life out at sea a little bit more enjoyable, safer, uh, and you know, you lose those things. And all of a sudden it's, it is, it's a whole different story. It gave me a huge amount of respect for those who set sail long ago before things like the AIS and before solar panels. I mean, just the fact that I had to turn the engine on like every other day, that to me, holy cow, that was a nightmare. <laughs> and I know it wouldn't be that big of a deal if my engine was new and it was a little yammy and I had it in more of a uh, soundproof engine room, but I don't. I've got a big old Perkins 4108 that growls like a grizzly bear and is so loud you can't sleep down below with it running. And it's uh, just kind of a, a nightmare to have to to have to use if you got to be down below. So that being said, it's uh, yeah, it's just going to be I'm looking forward to. I still have there are a few books that survived the trip uh, and I'm looking forward to more than anything. Just nice, lovely weather <laughs> and reading down below at night. Up on deck, oh man, looking at the stars, drinking coffee. I'm just, holy cow, making food. Maybe, maybe get lucky enough to have those perfect conditions where I can project a movie, probably Joe versus the Volcano or Captain Ron, onto the main sail while I'm sailing, eating popcorn and uh, having a cocktail. Oh my goodness. Oh, just, just, just hearing that makes me want to... Turn the podcast off and get back to work. But I won't do that. I digress. I'm just excited. I just want to get out there. The weather has been interesting still. I was actually just listening to Matt Rutherford's podcast, uh, and he was doing a trip from the BVI up to Maryland. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you uh, listeners out there have heard of Matt Rutherford. He's an absolute legend. First person to solo nonstop around the Americas. He's got the Ocean Research Project. Shout out to that where he's essentially, it's, it's really quite a uh, remarkable idea is that instead of using these gigantic ships for research, you could actually deploy tons of sailboats and do a huge amount of research in a lot of these places for a fraction of the cost. And he's proving it. I mean, he's, he's on this crazy small budget. It's all a non-for-profit. And, you know, he's, he's making it work. Every year he's getting out, and now he's getting ready for his next expedition up to the Arctic or Greenland, uh, doing some more research up there, measuring temperatures of water, glaciers, all that sort of stuff. It's really, really cool. So big time shout out to him for all of his efforts. I mean, you know, I look at some of the stuff that I do and it seems just selfish and, uh, and self-entertaining and all that sort of stuff. Cause it's just like what I, Oh, I just want to go sailing, <laughs> but he's actually out there, uh, contributing and, and I, you know, I won't give myself uh, I won't put myself down too much because I do like to share sort of some of these experiences. And I think there is something to be said for that because, you know, I, if people didn't share their experiences like Montessier and Knox Johnson, I probably never would have uh, led half the life that I've led right now. So shout out to those two old, old goats. But um, yeah, listening to his podcast, uh, he was talking about, you know, up until now, and even now, still, when I look at the weather, it's it ain't great by any means. Um, and, you know, it's still early in the season to be ripping out to, to Bermuda or whatever. But for a while there, it was just low after low after low after low. And they, they came at such a frequency. I mean, it, you know, 
It was basically essentially the same as the fall. And uh, we don't need a repeat of that, do we now? No, we don't. We don't want that. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting into a little bit of weather on this trip just to, you know, test things out. But let's not get carried away with that. Ideally, the game plan is to take off from the lovely state of South Carolina, which treats me so well, and head pretty much due east, uh, cut across that Gulf Stream, and head out towards uh, Bermuda, and maybe even go around Bermuda, maybe even stop at Bermuda. I don't know. That's the beauty of this. I'm going to have essentially about a month, a month and two weeks to be able to sail. And uh, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty stoked. So I'm thinking, you know, part of me just wants to go clear across the Atlantic, but I know I don't have time for that. I've got commitments now, believe it or not, summer uh, commitments where I got some speaking stuff, which is great. And uh, basically picking up a job and everything like a full on have to be there sort of stuff. So my fancy free lifestyle is going to come to uh, a bit of a close. Just for, you know, the summer and into the fall, but that's okay. And then uh, then I'll be fancy free again, hopefully, <laughs> depending on how uh, frugal I am. But in any event, I digress. South Carolina, we're going to get out there to Bermuda. Maybe stop there, maybe not. And then the plan will be to keep going out into the ocean, maybe a little more southeasterly. That will give me the opportunity if the trip is fast the winds are good maybe i could do a stop somewhere down i don't know in the british virgin islands maybe just for a weekend i know it sounds pretty ridiculous to sail for you know two weeks to stay at a place for two days but again like i said i have to be back i've got commitments and uh and then take off from there and then head back to somewhere in North Carolina to go haul out. I may also haul out in Georgia still. I'm not too sure. I don't have 100% uh, 100 confirmation on any of this stuff yet Uh, because, you know, there are a few things. There's always a few loose ends that uh, make or break any voyage, but in any event, that's that's sort of the game plan. Um, And ideally, I'm able to ride the tail end of um or ride like a low pressure or a high pressure system basically it'd be great if a low came off a hatteras and then about a day or two later i hooked into a nice southerly breeze and uh started just cutting my way out and had you know 10 to 15 knots of wind out of the north for a bit and then maybe have it turn around out of the south i don't know it doesn't really matter All I want is not an easterly wind, and then I'll be okay. Get out there and then just be able to cruise. And hopefully by then, the trade winds will sort of fill in because, boy, they are looking weird. Uh, Normally, you've got these nice, lovely easterlies from, say, the Virgin Islands almost all the way up to Florida and almost Georgia, really. But right now they're they're still flip flopping with all these big low pressure systems that are up there, and uh, you know, so we'll we'll have to sort of see. But that's the game plan for this next voyage. I'm hoping for, you know, 
Uh, if I could get four straight weeks of ocean sailing, maybe interrupted by a quick stop at an island or two, that would be awesome. That would give me my taste. That would give me my fix. I could then buckle down and be a landlubber for, you know, the next multiple months and uh, plot and plan the next voyage after that. But we will sort of see. I've been thinking more and more about uh, the old Panama Canal. I've always wanted to go through that thing, and I think it would be pretty neat to venture into the Pacific. I think in my younger years, my my brain used to always think, well, if you're going to get to the Pacific, you better be going around the Horn <laughs> or through the Straits of Magellan. But, you know, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I need to do that. Uh, although, just saying it out loud makes me want to do it. I don't know what's wrong with me. I got a problem. I got a problem. I do have friends that uh, are down and are from Argentina, and that would be pretty neat to like get down there in December and sort of coastal hop Argentina all the way down and then maybe uh, cut through. But, you know, again, when I think about that, cutting through the Straits of Magellan, the biggest problem with that is you got to have a really reliable engine, and I don't have a reliable engine. I don't have any semblance of a reliable engine on this boat. And I'm not going to have one um, because it's expensive. <laughs> and before I, because it's a sailboat, before I ever invest in a new engine for this boat, I'm going to invest in a new set of sails for this boat. And, uh, you know, I, I like the idea of making do with what you have. And, uh, you know, I have a sewing machine, but boy, some nice, crispy new sails would be epic. Get some, get a new set of Sven sails. Um, I'm still waiting for Sven to have his signature uh, line out there. One day, I hope that my brother Sven will own and operate his own custom high-end boutique sail loft, which produces some of the nicest sails on the planet. Name drop Sven. <laughs> it would be great because, hey, proof's in the pudding. He could, he could use these old sails as the, uh, the benchmark. You know, if I can get them up to 100,000 miles sailed without ever entering a sail loft for repairs, I think that would be pretty cool. Mmm, coffee, delicious. Well, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, yeah, Golden Globe. Ha-ha. Man, I'll tell you, that was really fun. I know, big apologies. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, I know why the Elliot Smith podcast was pretty quiet uh, because we were in a library when we were doing it. But I figured, you know, it was worth it in any event. But I don't know. The Sven podcast was a little quiet, too. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on, because when I record normally, uh, it seems to be fine. Like right now, this is fine. The levels are fine. And when I was recording with Sven, the levels were fine. But I think because maybe we were monkeying around with trying to find the absolute perfect thing because there's a sort of balance between the mic being close the pickup volume and then how much the the mic picks up the pops when you say p and all that sort of stuff because if you're really close to the mic it does it a lot more i you know i don't know i'm i think i'm overthinking it a little bit and so i'm screwing it up so Hopefully, uh, going forward, all the volume levels will be much, much better and um, and more spot on so people don't have to turn it on full blast and hook it up to a Bluetooth speaker. But 
how cool was that? Oh man, it was so neat to be able to sit down with Elliot and uh, and just learn about some of the ins and outs of getting into the GGR and and what that feels like and and sort of uh, the little bit of of fame and everything that uh, that comes along with being on the world stage. Really, what a nice kid too. I mean, oh, I shouldn't say kid. He's twenty eight, but he's got this whole world ahead of him. It's fantastic. I mean. I wish him nothing but the best of luck. Uh, hopefully he gets a good price for that boat that's over in Australia and um, and then is able to uh, live out some more, more dreams of uh, big sailing adventures and stuff. He's going to be a West Coast guy from now on. And I don't know. I think sometimes, you know, switching things like that, doing a big shakeup. Uh, I know that it's very difficult to come off of a voyage that was not successful. It's hard to come off of the sea for a long time, even if things go 100% perfect, it's it's difficult to make that transition from this complete natural world out there back to, you know, cars and phones and, and voices and people and all this sort of stuff and problems. Um, you know, out at sea, it's just a little simpler life. And so making that adjustment is very tricky. Then to add on the fact that the goals weren't attained and the goals weren't reached. I mean, Hey, I am one who has dealt with that multiple times now. And, uh, yeah, it's tricky. It's very tricky. It sort of amplifies the whole post, uh, adventure depression in, in a way that's not really fun. And it takes a little while. It takes longer and longer each time to sort of get over it and get on with it. But when you do, there is just this point where you just sort of let go of it and you're like, you know what, let's, let's, let's put it all behind us, learn from what happened and now let's move forward. And a lot of it's just, you know, focusing in and, and uh, discovering something else that creates that fire in your belly of like, Ooh, I want to go do that. And some of that's uh, thankfully a lot of the different podcasts that I listen to, like the adventure sports podcast and outside and all that sort of stuff. It's pretty cool because you do you, you're you're opening your brain up to a lot of different adventures that people go on that you didn't even know are even like possible or that people did. And all of a sudden, at least in my brain, I'm sort of like, oh, that sounds cool. You know, run across America, bike from Maine to Florida. I did think of this one. Uh, try to canoe the Great Loop. <laughs> I don't know if that would be possible. I think it's like 6,000 miles or something. I could be wrong on that totally, but that'd be an adventure and a half for sure. I was thought about trying to get my old buddy Charlie and see if he would want to do something like that. And uh, I think that would be one of those adventures because you're not, you know, displacing yourself out at sea. It'd be a good venue to try to raise money for, you know, MS awareness or, Something else, uh, any sort of charity or, or uh, thing like that that you would want to because you're visiting so many places, so many towns. You could do, you know, after a couple of months on this thing, you could you could go ahead and, and start doing like, you know, little little speaking things and all that sort of stuff and, and raise awareness and try and raise, you know, a bunch of money for, for research and everything like that. So, you know, do what Matt does. Oh, it'd be great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's I don't know. I don't know. For me right now, I just need a little fix and then I need to work and earn some money. And then I think the world may just be my oyster one more time. Uh, not saying that I want to go sail around it, but, uh, you know, I, I, 
having a little bit of a buffer and having a few options I think would be pretty darn cool. And it does look like a little podcast slash presentation road trip is getting underway and in the works. Uh, I'm going to be able to work out this next this new presentation about this last trip all summer long, every single week, doing another live presentation in front of a group of people. And uh, so I'll be able to work that out and then hit the road with it. And hopefully it is uh, just the right amount of, you know, good video clips, my explanations, scary stories, funny stories, uh, lessons learned, all that sort of stuff. So we will see. Um, I'm, I am definitely looking forward to that. And then also, you know, still get a, still get the odd call every once in a while about the trip around the world. So I think that's still pretty cool. I think that story will always want to be heard by someone. Uh, my mom made the comment the other day that you could probably do that talk until you're 70. And hey, you know what? If that's the case, I would love it. <laughs> Even if it was only once or twice a year, uh, I always love sharing these these adventures with people. I think that's a, a pretty important part of uh, what I do and why I do it is to be able to to come back to the world of the living and uh, share some experiences to hopefully inspire some people that just needed that one last little straw that says, oh, holy cow, I want to try doing something like that. Mm-mm-mm. Ah, but yeah, so um, Golden Globe, uh, which I had alluded to about 10 minutes ago before I went on my tirade, is getting very interesting, at least in the lead. So we've got uh, right around the equator, we've got Abolish, we've got Kirsten, and we've got Simon. And they're all in a row. They look like the stars of Orion's Belt right now. And they're, Kristen is in, or Kirsten is in the lead. Simon looks like he's just behind them. They're all doing about two knots because they're right in smack dab in the middle of the doldrums. And normally I would look at the forecast and all that stuff, but I know from experience looking at, you know, any sort of weather forecasting thing for the doldrums area, area makes zero difference at all because it's all localized weather, thunderstorms, squalls, calms, all that sort of stuff. So it's going to be a bit of a roll of the dice for the next week or so. They've been sitting there for a while, uh, and it could be a long time. The only thing that's sort of uh, interesting from my own experience, Kirsten is much closer to Africa. Simon's in the middle, and Abolish is over there by Brazil. What I've found in the past is that the doldrums tend to be more devastatingly calm and take a lot longer to get through the closer you are to Africa um, so I don't know could find the abolish all of a sudden gets a big boost in his wind and starts pummeling away while the other two are just sort of stuck I'm not saying that's my prediction but you know it could happen but other than that Michael is uh, trucking away he's definitely moving fast he is in the trades southeast trades Jeremy is still in the variables, chucking his way. He's out of the Southern Ocean, though, so that's pretty good. He's at about 36 degrees south. And that really is the, I wouldn't say it's quite the um, spot that I found the greatest, you know, couple of days of sailing in my life. I think I was a little further north when, you know, I was sort of outside of the variables in a lot of ways, but. 
holy smokes, it's uh, to get out of that Southern Ocean is quite an experience. And then Ian is down there, uh, still anchored, pretty much at Cape Horn. And let's just check what his weather is, because that can't be that fun to be anchored down there. I mean, I think in some respects it might be, but if you're, you know, everybody's sort of watching you, it might be a little scary. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty typical Cape Horn weather. Nothing, nothing too, too crazy, at least for the first couple of days. It looks like, yeah, just standard. Nothing, nothing insane. It is going to get pretty ugly for them, uh, in the next like seven, seven to 10 days. But that's pretty long range forecast. I don't know what his game plan is if he's trying to fix the boat now or if he's going to try and pull into Port Stanley on the Falklands where the Malvin is, uh, and try to, um, I don't know, figure something out from there because he may need parts and stuff. But, yeah, really, really kind of cool. It's going to be interesting uh, to see a race that has encompassed, you know, almost the entire planet at this point and have three racers that are pretty much right in a line with each other is pretty incredible. And uh, hats off to Kirsten for sure. She's been leading the pack for a long time. Uh, hats off for Simon as well, who has essentially stopped for like two weeks or whatever and now has caught up with everybody else. And then uh, Abolish for just hanging in there and just killing it, man. This is really, uh, it's been cool. It's, you know, sometimes it's a little hard to hard to watch um, because, you know, a guy like me wants to sort of be out there in it. But at the same time, plenty of these uh, incidences on this on this voyage or on this uh, on this race have made me super glad to be watching it on a screen instead of from my cockpit. So that's pretty much it uh, for today. So that's a you know a little short one, but uh, I am hopefully gonna bank up a couple of these so that if I do head out to sea and I'm out there for like a month, there'll be some more. Uh, at least a podcast coming out each week. That's the goal. And uh, we'll see. I've got one banked up with Amy where she and I talk about having a dog on board. The dog was actually on board the boat when we did this and was a little perturbed that we weren't paying attention to it. So I don't know if that one quality wise, audio quality wise, will uh, will make the cut. But she and I may end up doing another one without the hound, if that gives you any indication of what we might talk about about having a dog on a boat um the attention getter but other than that uh yeah we'll we'll see what we can put together and and put out but i'll definitely be doing a couple of more podcasts before i take off i'm not expecting to get out of here until well into the first week in april uh, and it's really going to be weather dependent tax time dependent yes it is that time of year and then also um just are we ready? Is Sparrow ready? I'm not uh, not messing around. No joke, man. <laughs> but boy, I really do want to get out there. So we will see. Thank you all for the support. Thanks for listening. And uh, until next time.